Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including our guest, Kathleen Pasadoma, our state senator. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. My wife, Linda, will be joining us as well. It is October the 25th, and on this day in 1774, the First Continental Congress sent a respectful petition to King George III to inform His Majesty that it had not been for the acts of oppression forced upon the colonies by the British Parliament, the American people would be standing behind British rule. Despite the anger that the American public felt towards the United Kingdom after the British Parliament established the Coercive Acts, called the Intolerable Acts by the colonists, Congress was still uh, willing to assist in loyalty to the king. In return for his loyalty, uh, Congress asked the king to address and resolve the specific grievances of the colonies. The petition written by Continental Congressman John Dickinson laid out what Congress felt was undue oppression of the colonies by the British Parliament. Their grievances mainly had to do with the Coercive Acts, a series of four acts that were established to punish colonists and to restore order in Massachusetts Bay Colony following the Tea Party, uh, Boston Tea Party. The first of the Coercive Acts was the Boston Port Act, which closed the Port of Boston to all colonists until damage from the Boston Tea Party was paid. The second, the Massachusetts Governor Act, gave the British government total control of town meetings, taking all decisions out of the hands of the colonists. The third, the Administration of Justice Act, made British officials immune to cr- uh, criminal prosecution in America. And the fourth, the Quartering Act, required colonists, get this, to house and quarter British troops on demand, including in private homes, as a last resort. The king did not respond to the petition to Congress satisfaction. Eight months later, on July 6, 1775, the Second Continental Congress adopted a resolution entitled Declaration of the Causes and Necessity of Taking Up Arms, written by John Dickinson and Thomas Jefferson. The revolution laid out the reasons for taking up arms and starting a violent revolution against the British rule of the colonies. So they tried to be, tried to be nice and uh, got no response and uh, leading to the American Revolution. <clears throat> Well, former challenger Rishi, a chancellor, I should say, Rishi Sunak, will be the United Kingdom's next prime minister after his only opponent, Penny Mordaunt, uh, dropped out of the race to, to lead the Conservative Party. He will succeed Liz Truss, who's uh, res- resigned last week after less than two weeks in office. Mordaunt announced her withdrawal from the Tory race uh, Monday on Twitter. Uh, Rishi has my full support, she said. We all owe it to the country, to each other, and to Rishi to unite and work together for uh, the good of the nation. There is much work to be done, she said. I don't want to do it. Let him do it. (laughs) Nobody wants the job. Rishi took the job. Former Prime Minister Boris Johnson on Sunday announced that he would not run for the party uh, leadership, uh, setting up Sunak to be the next leader of the United Kingdom. Johnson resigned in uh, July after news emerged that he violated COVID-19 lockdown rules. Sunak may become prime minister as soon as today. The BBC reported the Tory will be the country's first British-Asian 
prime minister at the age of 42, and he'll be the youngest in more than a century. Typically, for hard-working Britons already having their earnings hollowed out by rampant inflation, it looks like more tax rises will be coming under Sunak. But as prime minister now, not just a finance minister, there are other cultural and wider political concerns. Sunak is an acolyte of the World Economic Forum. That's bad news. And even gained the tacit endorsement of the Chinese Communist Party as a leadership candidate. It's looked like for years of bullish pro-China politics from the Conservative Party were finally waning when the arrival of Prime Minister Liz Truss, but with her brutally quick ouster and the coronation of Sunak, it appears the Conservatives may be returning to form on China. Not good news in Great Britain. Well, President Joe Biden frequently is mocked by Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who said his much-preferred President Donald Trump, according to the Wall Street Journal report. The Journal reported that uh, relations between the two countries have survived great turmoil and tragedy, but the pact is fracturing under two leaders who don't like or trust each other, the Journal wrote. And people inside the Saudi government say the prince frequently makes fun of Biden's gaffes and questions his mental fitness. Well, I'm sure that's going on all over the world. A new poll released on the Mason-Dixon polling and strategy shows Hispanic registered voters plan to support Governor Ron DeSantis over Democrat gubernatorial candidate Charlie Crist, 51 to 44 percent. That is unbelievable. It's actually believable based on the laws of cause and effect and the policies this president has made had. But the poll was conducted from October the 17th to 20th, so it's very recent news. When participants were asked if they approve or disapprove of DeSantis' job performance as governor, 56% responded approval and 41% said they disapprove. In regards to DeSantis' immigrant flights to Martha's Vineyard, results showed 50% approve and 43% disapprove. The other 7% didn't know what's going on. (laughs) DeSantis previously sent two planes of illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard after the Florida legislature approved $12 million to help transport illegal immigrants from the state. Numbers show that an overwhelming number of participants approve of the governor's response to Hurricane Ian. 73% of participants approve of his performance handling the state recovery and only 17% disapprove. Governor DeSantis uh, declared a state of emergency five days prior to the Hurricane Ian making landfall, pre-staged 42,000 linemen across the state in preparation for power outages, held up to four press conferences per day to provide public constant uh, updates, uh, expedited bridge repairs, among other notable recovery efforts which have been recognized by both President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. When the November 8th election, just two weeks away, DeSantis and Chris faced off last night in their first and only debate on the main stage. Democrat Charlie Chris clearly knew that Monday's night uh, TV debate would likely prove his last chance to change the course of his flagging and outfinance campaign against Governor Ron DeSantis. Watch the debate. It was really interesting. Uh, well, I'll give uh, Chris this. He's uh, a good debater, uh, but it's all... all uh, process and no content, quite frankly. Trailing in the polls and vastly outspent, Chris went on at DeSantis at the outset of the hour-long debate from Fort Pierce Sunrise Theater, broadcast by WPEC in West Palm Beach and carried by TV outlets statewide. The candidates were asked questions about topics including education, the economy, COVID-19 responses, abortion, and immigration. 
You're going to hear a stark contrast in this debate. In this election, Chris said in the opening statement, it's a stark contrast between somebody who believes in a woman's right to choose. He went right to that one. I think that's fundamentally important, and Governor DeSantis has signed a bill that would restrict that right, even in cases of rape and incest. Governor DeSantis repeatedly linked his Democrat opponent to Biden. DeSantis attacked Chris for voting with Biden 100% of the time. DeSantis cited the Biden-Christ energy policies for raising gas prices, the Biden-Christ economy for inflation, and said the Democrats shared in what he sees as a failure of Biden's border, border policies. If you're reelected, you, will you serve a full four-year term as governor? Yes or no, Chris asked. The moderator pointed out that the campaigns agreed ahead of time not to ask each other questions. I know that Charlie's interested in talking about 2024 and Joe Biden, but I just want to make things very clear, he said, uh, said DeSantis in response. The only worn-out old donkey I'm going to put out to pasture is Charlie Crist. And we'll end that with that one. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, the debate, uh, I'm sure, with Kathleen Pasadoma and with Linda, my, my wife. Governor Ron DeSantis spoke at a Keep Florida Pit Stop, free pit stop, in Orange County, that was just before the debate where he earned an endorsement from the Florida State Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. The FSHCC actively promotes the economic growth and development of Hispanic entrepreneurs. Governor DeSantis is a leader who understands the needs of Florida small businesses and the people who work hard every day. He has taken Florida through difficult times with a steady hand and given us all a reason to believe that Florida's future is bright, said Julio Fuentes, president and CEO of the Florida State Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. DeSantis responded to the endorsement with the following. Uh, From keeping our state open for business to increasing workforce development, it's clear why Florida workers are thriving. While other state locked, states locked other people down, uh, Florida lifted people up. We delivered the largest tax relief package in Florida history. We are working to blunt an impact of Biden inflation while protecting workers at every turn. I am grateful for the Florida State Hispanic Chamber of Commerce support, said DeSantis. Uh, Just before the debate, he he, uh, got that acknowledgement. And then uh, sad news here. Senator Marco Rubio said Monday that one of his campaign workers was brutally attacked over the weekend while canvassing a neighborhood in Hialeah in South Florida. Last night, one of our canvassers wearing my T-shirt and a Governor Ron DeSantis hat was brutally attacked by four animals who took and uh, told him Republicans were allowed in their neighborhood, weren't allowed in their neighborhood in Hialeah. Uh, he suffered internal bleeding, a broken jaw, and will need facial reconstructive surgery. In Rubio's tweet, the senator published several photos of the injured campaign worker was a bruised and black right eye and bloody face. The campaign worker's name was not released. Uh, the campaign of a congresswoman Val Demings, the former Orlando police chief, who is running against Rubio and uh, issued the following, I figure, uh, think fairly humane statement. Chief Deming strongly condemns all acts of violence and the attacker should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Campaign volunteers deserve uh, to be feel safe in every neighborhood and we're praying for a speedy recovery of the canvasser who was attacked last night. That from Val Deming's course running from against Rubio. Now you hear that uh, right now Republicans are violent extremists, domestic terrorists, and so forth. And yet these acts, they seem to be coming from Democrats all the time. Seems, well, I've been to, actually uh, was an MC for a, uh, an event for Donald Trump at one of the rallies before he was elected here in South Florida, right on the fairgrounds here in uh, Naples. And uh, 
talk about a group of happy people. They were so excited that uh, Donald Trump was going to bring the, the country uh, back to the people. Well, inflation is affecting people's health, leading to increased stress, smoking, and alcohol intake. That, according to a study of more than 1,000 people, uh, half of the respondents said the cost of living crisis is impacting their health. Nearly 4 in 10 said they were feeling more stressed. 21% said they were eating less healthily. 16% they were smoking more because of the economic situation. And 13% said they were drinking more alcohol. Almost 75% said they were concerned about the current energy situation and cost of electricity and gas, while 23% of the respondents said they were extremely concerned. Another 21% said they were very concerned. The top three alternatives to reduce uh, spending, including eating out, purchasing cheaper alternatives, and ordering takeout, 61% of respondents said they were putting off life expenditures until the economy stabilizes. This is all bad news. Health is declining. Uh, it's not only that people have less to spend, but they're feeling pretty stressed out about it as well. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, providing policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Right now, we're visiting with Linda Harden. She writes a column called Greetings from Paradise. Well, she used to. It's done. It's over. (laughs) It's over. It's over. So uh, we watched the debate together last night. What are your thoughts? Well, Charlie Crist, what a retail politician he is. That It was just embarrassing. I don't know how, you know, you and I were talking about how um, tough it is to to uh, run for office and and to get up there. And, and I mean, Ron DeSantis is trying to run the state, and, and so he takes time out to debate this choker <laughs> who has the little fan down by him. The the highlight of for me was when when Charlie Chris said that that DeSantis was the most anti business <laughs> governor. <laughs> well, you know what? I have what to, a joke! I have to give him credit. He's debated a lot of times, and it was all form and no content. In other words, he just it's all he, sound, uh, bites. sound bites. Exactly right. Uh, our governor has done a fantastic job, and somehow, some way. Uh, uh, <laughs> Chris was trying to attack the job that he did, and it just fell on deaf ears. He wants to put the old donkey out to pasture, said DeSantis, <laughs> and that's exactly way, the way the debate ended. Well, Chris, I don't know if you were watching him when DeSantis was was uh, was countering the attacks that, that Chris um, was making, but Charlie Chris was very uncomfortable because he knew, he knows that he's, going against um, someone who was going to beat him soundly. Well, yeah, I, mean, I mean, he was coughing and, and rubbing his nose. and Yeah, and but he's he's uh, he's seven or eight points behind in the polls right now. And oh, course, and let's not forget his campaign manager quit. <laughs> did you know, did, did you hear that it was because of a domestic violence incident with his ex-wife that uh, he quit? And I, I thought it might be because he just throwing up his hands and saying, I can't... <laughs> We can't win this. And what and what part of that do you believe? I mean, any anything that they say that That's good that point. will will um, taint Charlie Chris, they're not going to say. They're going to make up something. Yeah. Well, uh, you know uh, what's really uh, encouraging right now is to see the polls, see that this wet red tsunami is uh, really developing right now. We're seeing more and more Republicans pull away from their uh, Democrat opponents. And I'll talk about Don Bolduc, for example, up in New Hampshire. And what about in, in uh, Michigan? Can you believe that, uh, what's her name, uh, Whitmer? Uh, is, uh, Russian Whitmer? Yeah, they're in a the dead heat right now. I mean, if she could end up losing as well. Tudor Dixon's going to smoke her. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And uh, I mean, they, these people have nothing to run on except denying what they've, what they've done. I mean, they th- I've said this so many times on your program. The politicians in Washington and, and, and these Democratic governors think their constituents are stupid. They, they think that they are not either deaf, dumb, and blind or whatever, but they're not realizing and experiencing um, the, the results of their horrible governance. I mean, right. it, it, it's just awful. Well, the the uh, chickens are coming home to roost. So there's no question about that. I mean, you you have policies that defy the well-being of the American people, and then you expect somehow to win elections. It's just not going to happen. They've I mean, got nowhere to run. The only thing they're running on right now is uh, abortion. And uh, Charlie Chris made a good run at it last night. I mean, he, 
was, it's so pathetic, though. Do you think people are sitting around the kitchen table saying we have to decide how much gas we can buy or uh, whether we can buy groceries? But I'm really concerned about inflation I don't, or about uh, abortion. I don't think that's happening. You know what? That story that DeSantis told about the, that child that was saved from abortion from that mother in, what, what was it, Jamaica? Yeah. And um, that child who was, who was not aborted ended up being the first uh, Jamaican-American to be appointed as a, as a, a judge yeah. in the state of Florida. I mean, his stories, he was so rich. DeSantis just breezed through that. It was, it was great. Yeah, it was tr- truly great. In, in By the way, I, let me just say something about the polls because you mentioned it briefly. It's so funny because they're still trying to um, uh, affect public opinion by by throwing polls out that these Democratic governors and senators are ahead. And Kevin Cork was on Fox News just this morning and saying, "Yes, but some 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 polls say that this is just the opposite. These polls are just so crooked, putting out by these by these pollsters who are trying to make people." Uh, see something that's not there it's it's just amazing to me yeah it is and meanwhile so many people just refuse to answer the phone when these pollsters call and, nope. and who would blame them no nope. we don't no question indeed so i'm, I'm looking forward to the uh eighth I'm, I'm always trepidatious about some sort of an event that occur all of a sudden calling an emergency and uh, suggesting that people can't go to the polls always living in fear that the police state is some gonna somehow gonna try and interfere with this process but uh right now it's looking very good uh, for the Republicans. Well, it's going to be interesting because guess who's going to go up and try and campaign for Fetterman two days before the election? Barack Obama? Yes, along with feckless Joe Biden. And how do they think that's going to go? Because Joe Biden looks like a deer in the headlights anyway. And then put him next to Obama, who's, who's um, you know... His his talks are smooth, and he knows how to you know talk. So isn't isn't the uh, debate between Fetterman and tonight Oz, tonight uh, tonight? Yeah, is that going to be broadcasting on? I sure hope so. Yeah, I'm looking. I I, I do want to see the. <laughs> I know you know I I know I know it will be broadcast on social media like on Getter or whatever, but but I don't know if it's going to be on you know prime time here whether it's on PBS or or something I don't know. So what's interesting is the number of uh, Democrats who've decided not to debate. And I'll reference, for example, the Carrie Lake. Uh, Katie Hobbs refuses to debate her. She is, I, you know, Katie Hobbs made a good statement yesterday. We are all dumber for having listened to one word out of Katie Hobbs' mouth. She is just who, in in God's earth, would ever want her running anything? She is dumb as a post. And there, there are a number of people who are dumb as a post who are running. Katie Hobbs is like top of the list. Um, Fetterman is right up there. Um, uh, Val Demings out of Florida is just, she's, I, I don't know what they think that the people are stupid. Wow. And, and, and when in fact the candidates who are running come across as complete idiots and they think that they're going to uh, convince people to vote for them. Well, you, Katie you, Hobbs is a joke. You know, you're, you're talking about incumbents. You know, <laughs> the American public elected them in the first place. So maybe it's the electorate that's finally wising up and figuring out. Uh, well, well, that's exactly right. And and I don't know if you heard the soundbite from, I don't remember who it was, but but it was, oh, I know what it was. It was, um, it was before Trump's rally on Saturday. By the way, I don't know if you've talked about it. The rally was awesome. There was a sea of red People who were formerly Democrats were showing up saying, I'm done with this. But one person who was interviewed before the rally said, you know what, if Donald Trump did 
did nothing else in all the time that he's been in, in public life now. He woke me up to see what was really happening. I think that's true with a lot of Democrats right now. A lot of a, uh, a lot of Democrats are deciding to vote for. And how about Hispanics, for example? That's oh my just, goodness, that's just amazing. They highlighted um, when when DeSantis ran the first time that he was he was having trouble with um, Cuban Americans and Hispanics in general, and now he is like smoking. He is he's got everybody behind him. Yeah. And Charlie Crist, I hope that I hope that he doesn't um, uh, try to run for anything else again. Oh, and and I don't know if you mentioned this on your open, but uh, I loved when DeSantis brought up that throughout the last year that Charlie Crist only showed up for work in Washington D.C. fourteen days, was, and you know what? The audience, who was obviously paid to be in there for Crist, just shut up they just <laughs> yeah. stopped linda i always appreciate your commentary here on the show thank you so much for stopping by you're welcome my pleasure indeed all right coming up kathleen pasadomo our state senator that and more right here on the bob harden show on the bob harden broadcasting network stay tuned for more of the bob harden show here on the bob harden broadcasting network Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University Wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the Wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. I hope you'll visit the website and find out more and get tickets. The website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. So, the debate last night, I would love to get your thoughts, but Charlie Crist, of course, debating, this is, that was his last chance, really, to try and have an impact on the elections. What were your thoughts? 
Well, um, I think the governor did a really good job. Uh, You know, he was um, factual. He was positive. um, You know, he laid out a good case for his reelection. You know, and of course, I'm biased, but I but I try to be very objective. Uh-huh. Um, I think uh, Congressman Chris, his problem was he spent most of the time sort of whining, almost being sort of petty and making personal comments about the governor, which which I think was inappropriate. Uh, and actually, even the moderator pointed that out. Yeah. Um you know, he tried to badger the governor by asking, "Are you going to be the, are you going to stay governor for four years?" Even though he knew that they had agreed that they would not ask each other questions, things yeah. like that. Um, but you know, all in all, I think uh, the governor did extremely well. I don't think uh, Congressman Chris made uh, um, any inroads. You know, obviously, most people have already made up their minds. Um, I don't think anybody lost any, uh, but I don't. Um, you know, I just was very proud of the governor's responses. Well, I, I give Chris uh, credit for this. I mean, he is a good debater, and he actually, it's all form and no content. He had nothing to run on, really, uh, except right. uh, he was just attacking uh, DeSantis, and, and that went nowhere. And, of course, he was waving the abortion flag. So, uh, no, I, you know, yeah, I just, that, go ahead, Kathleen. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that didn't go anywhere either. Um, and, and, you know, everybody is concerned about the economy right now and where we're going. And, you know, particularly those of us in Southwest Florida, um, you, you know, we, we've got some uh, real challenges ahead of us. And I think the governor's willing to undertake them. Charlie Chris didn't even mention it. Uh, in fact, he made a really um, uh, almost ludicrous comment that the governors who want to shut the schools down I, the whole thing was it, it made no sense um so I, I think all in all i think the governor did really well um you know he you know he he just showed true strength i agree with that uh, and right now the way it's looking to me that uh, all, with the economy the way it is the news that's coming out it's just reinforcing a red tsunami right now you've got your ear close to the ground uh, with uh, what's with regard to florida any update or any thoughts? I, I think, uh, you know, I, I don't like using the word tsunami in light of what we just went through. But yeah. um, I think that Good there point. are, you know, when we've been closely monitoring uh, those uh, people who have voted by mail. Uh, the the Republicans um, have a really good showing more than the Democrats. Uh, the independents, uh, I think, are going to swing Republican and they're voting by mail. And we still don't even have, you know, a lot of Republicans vote on voting day. So um, I think we're well on our way to to a, a sweep. Uh, I think both the House and the Senate are going to have um, uh, super majorities, and that will be very helpful for the governor and, and his um, initiatives over the next four years. So um, we feel really good about it. Yeah. I, I talked to the governor's people last night, and they are just pumped. And we are, too, as uh, voters. I'm very encouraged. Just out of curiosity, is uh, how is this well, this hurricane, how is it in, and how is it affecting right now the upcoming legislative session and your thoughts about it? Uh, that's a good question. I And I'm going to, on organizational session, one of the things I'm going to uh, say to the members is we, we have to address issues that have arisen from the hurricane. It's one of the biggest um, uh, catastrophes the state has ever experienced. At the same time, we can't ignore the, the regular business of governance. 
So we're going to have to work longer hours, longer days, and uh, it's going to be a challenge. You know, it used to be people come in on a Monday during committee weeks in session, late Thursday night. That may not be possible. We may have to work all week. Um, you know, this part-time legislative gig is is going to be definitely full-time over the next two years. Yeah, that's so interesting. You also have the possibility of a special legislative session as well. Yeah, we're we are definitely we're going to have a, a, a special session uh, dealing with the property issues, property insurance, and the like uh, in uh, December. Um, I have been working all summer on an affordable housing bill that is just um, expansive, robust. It's uh, really going to make a difference. Some of uh, the bill now will also have some provisions for. Um, the victims of the hurricane and housing, et cetera. And we will, we hope to accomplish that in, in November. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, about workforce housing and, and, you know, I'm committed to work on that and get that done before, you know, before session even starts. So that's one thing. Yeah. Um, we'll probably have a number of special sessions even before session, session starts in January and February. Outstanding. And by the way, there's, there is, um, a precedent for that because Governor Bush had numerous special sessions during his time as governor. Out of curiosity, I, I heard a statistic. It's something like this. I'm directionally correct. I think that uh, we've got about seven percent of the population and uh, about eighty percent of the uh, uh, money for insurance uh, going to trial lawyers and others. The, the the fact that we just have so much litigation with regard to insurance. Uh, is there anything we can? I'm sure the trial lawyers are going to push back on this, but is there anything we can do about that? Yeah, there's a number of initiatives. A speaker designate Renner and I met yesterday to talk about uh, uh, some of these ideas uh, that we're going to uh, pursue. Uh, some of them will be done during the special session in December, uh, and then others uh, in regular session. Uh, he's very committed to uh, tort reform measures. The House had not been um, interested, or not, they've been interested, but they didn't go anywhere last uh, last two years, so well, we hope to remedy that this session. Outstanding. Again, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator and soon-to-be Senate president. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well, Kathleen. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortson. We're going to find out what's new with Boo, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. 
Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen, right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. And I have to tell you that I read a fascinating article over the weekend, and there's kind of a confluence of all these different global phenomenon that what's happening right now. We have a labor shortage. Mm -hmm. We have an aging workforce. Mm -hmm. We have uh, an, an incredible advance in technology. And so what's happening is to we're going to evolve into more of it's called a robo economy. Last year we built more than a half a million industrial robots. Wow. And you think about what a robot can do and what we can't do and these new generation of robots have mobility and vision. They're capable of flexibility in their behavior that has never been possible before. Uh, they don't have surging labor costs, and the most important thing is they don't call in sick. No, they don't, and they don't take time off, and they don't have uh, problems <laughs> with their marriages <laughs> or with their kids. So uh, there's a lot of positive things. I will say there is oh, a... no, there's not paternity or maternity leave. Yeah, and now a robot can operate a machine in a factory <clears throat> that can do the work of two or even three humans so that it can pay for itself within two years. Wow. So there is a downside. There's a lot of discussion about cyborgs, about uh, implanting uh, nanotechnology and human brains and that kind of thing, and, and, and turning humans into somewhat half, you know, hybrid uh, robots, in a sense. So there is this downside that's uh, not, so, uh, not so attractive. That's... Yeah, I think that that's kind of a, a humanizing a robot. What I'm talking about is basically industrial robots that yep. are specifically in the warehouses. And they say that this is going to amount to a, and I'm quoting, a potentially titanic shift in the way things are made, transported, and even consumed. 
Well, it, you're you're putting a very positive spin on it, and uh, you, which I think is is appropriate and interesting. Uh, so you're seeing, I guess, the article that you read, and what, the way you're seeing it right now is it's all, pretty much all upside, no downside. Correct. I don't think the labor unions are going to like this. Yeah. You know, I think this is kind of a sticky wicket with them. But they say that in the future we depend on robots to grow our food, make our goods, care for elderly and to grow the global economy. It's not just being done here. It's really being done worldwide. And China's kind of leading the boom of the robo-economy. Interesting. Leave it to those Chinese. Uh, it's so true. So uh, riddle me this. This is what I don't understand. How come we have this phenomenon going on, and yet we have full employment, 2.5% unemployment here in the state of Florida, only 3.5% unemployment in the United States, there's less people working. I just understand how this is all working. You know, isn't that a great question? There, where is there a labor shortage? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we have... I don't get it. We have uh, uh, tens of thousands of jobs available in Florida that are being unfilled because there's not enough people to fill the jobs and only 2.5% unemployment. It's, it, it makes no sense to me. And uh, it hasn't now for the last several years... I think people are just dropping out of the workforce. I don't know how they're doing it. Well, you know, I have to say that I live in Madison during the summer, and there is a we're in a college campus of forty two thousand kids. Forty two thousand. That's a, you know, that's a mid sized town. Yeah. And there's signs all over the city. Work wanted. What are these kids doing? Yeah. I don't know. How are they earning money? I mean, like you say, where's the workforce? How are they? Are they living on food stamps, handouts? Well, that's a good point. Age-dependent children? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point because they're. I, I, this administration, I believe, is encouraging people to get on welfare, encouraging people to, uh, uh, you know, more. In, and for example, under previous administrations, we've had you have to demonstrate that you're trying to find a job in order to get. Uh, for example, uh, uh, unemployment. Well, I'm not sure that's happening right now. I'm not sure, but I think right now there's a, a more encouraging people to take advantage of the welfare system, that of course leads to votes for Democrats, than to, uh, to, than to work. Yeah, and where's the pride in that? Yeah. You know, maybe that's an old, you know, you know now that you bring that up, Bob, maybe that's an old-fashioned feeling, that you have a pride and accomplishment, you like your job, even if you're, if it's a, a, an hourly wage, you know, at least you're bringing home a paycheck. You're doing something. You're filling your day. You're being productive. Where's the glory in sitting at home and and not working and, and going and collecting a government handout? Is there pride in that for? No, there isn't. Maybe a... that doesn't care. Maybe that doesn't cut it anymore. Well, you know, maybe but... nobody. Maybe it's an old-fashioned sentiment. So, in my opinion, I think people uh, take pride in work, but also creates meaning. I mean, you belong to a group that has, has a common objective, and whether that's uh, working in a warehouse or, or creating a, a new invention, uh, people want to belong to something. They want to be something that's worthwhile and that has a purpose and that uh, we're striving together to get something done. That's an important quality of human life. You think so? Yeah. You think so? Well, you know, you stay out of the workforce long enough, a robot's going to replace you. Then you won't be able to get back in. Yeah, good point. Boy, it's really, labor unions are going to go nuts about this, aren't they, Boo? Well, that's the problem, is that how do you control all of that? Because you're not trying to get 
more uh, money per hour, <clears throat> uh, extended sick leave, maternity leave, paternity, maternity and paternity leave. None of those factors come into play. And these robots can do the job of three people. So how are they going to justify labor unions? Kind of interesting. That's in a- China, I don't think they have labor unions, you know. Human rights is a different issue. Over yeah, there. Total issue. Well, and you make a good point because the people don't need to go home. We we need to go home and get some rest. Robots don't. They can work twenty four seven. No, and in many ways, they're taking on jobs like when you unload a one of those big container ships, unloading all the supplies and and the, the uh, cartons or whatever they're called containers. It's very, very dangerous work. There are a lot of injuries on the job, not with robots. Yeah, that's so such an interesting point, Boo. I, uh, uh, but uh, I've been looking at the downside of this, too, and I'm happy to, that you're bringing up the uh, positive side of uh, what's happening because it is going it is more efficient, it, and it, there are certain jobs where, you know, certainly you're going to have, as you pointed out, it's just two years you recover the cost of the robot, and then it's everything is uh, uh, free and easy. Oh, yeah. You know, Elon Musk, in the very beginning, was very contemptuous of robots. He said, well, humans are undervalued. In other words, you know, they need to be working in the plants. Well, boy, did he change his tune. Now a lot of his plants are fully automated. Yeah. He's kind of jumped on the bandwagon. Well, we're going to have to watch this issue very carefully because, again, uh, they're, they're talking about these cyborgs of becoming a new uh, uh, life form. And uh, they actually could have, they're talking about way to extend life into eternity, you know, this this kind of thing. So a lot of ethical issues around this, but uh, we're seeing the positive side uh, today, Boo. And I really appreciate uh, your commentary here on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Have a great... Do you think that they could, do you think robots could replace radio show hosts? Uh, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Boo. My pleasure. All right. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Modley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence is one of only 97 restaurants worldwide to receive Wine Spectator's prestigious Grand Award, and they've received it for the eighth consecutive year. Blue Provence Restaurant is temporarily closed for renovations due to damage from Hurricane Ian, and they look forward to serving you again in the near future. In the meantime, you can enjoy their Grand Award-winning wine list with unbeatable prices on more than 2,500 wines by visiting Blue Provence Fine Wines at 1234 8th Street South, Monday through Saturday between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Check out the vast wine selection by visiting Blue Provence on Facebook or visit the easy-to-browse website blueprovencefinewines.com. Visit blueprovencefinewines.com or if you need help, you can call Jacques directly at 239-821-6772. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239 239- 
329-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. How are you? I'm well, Seton. I hope you are. Yeah, I'm doing all right. We're getting a blow through here in central Texas. It's driving my dog nuts. A lot of wind and rain. I'm sorry to hear that, but uh, tell us yeah. about less government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and no one in D.C. apparently can tell you what it is. That's so true. So, Seton, you wrote a great piece. It's called, Obama admitted 90% of Americans were fast internet connected in 2015. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, this is, this is, where, this is where it's fun. Where you know, This is 2015, so of course, Obama was on his way out of office, right? Yeah. Um, he left in 2017, or early, you know, the election was in 2016. So what happens is they they want to just they want to you know create a a need for government to get involved. So he spent, I think it was 7.2 billion was in the 2009 stimulus for government broadband. And I've been whining, complaining for years because government's awful at being a broadband provider. Um, there's a website called Broadband Boondoggles, or Muni, that's what the website's called. If you search that, it's an interactive map of all the different places government has pretended to be a broadband. And of course, we lose, we've lost billions and billions of dollars, you know, because government can't do it. They're not, they just can't do it. They, they can't deliver the mail, and we want them delivering internet. It's just absurd. So towards, I found this old press release or statement or whatever from the 2015 White House, Obama's White House, rightly pointing out that 98% of Americans have access to the Internet via wireless connection. Of course. And, you know, the cell phones, 4G right now, you can, you can seamlessly stream high-def movies, which is far and away the biggest bandwidth, you know, uh, bandwidth intensive thing you can do is watch movies high def movies you can do that on your phone pretty much anywhere in the country right. i mean i i live in pretty rural texas and for recreation i drive to really rural texas uh, rufus and i were out in the middle of nowhere yesterday in the car and i'm watching uh live tv i'm watching tucker carlson on my tv app in the middle of the texas hill country yeah and, of course, 5G is going to be 10 times or more faster than 4G. So the government, there's, there's no need for the government to be involved at all in this process. The private sector did it and did it a long time ago. Well, we just spent $65 billion on government broadband in the infrastructure bill. Uh. And here's where it gets even dumber. The, the less than 2% that aren't connected are, are almost exclusively 
very rural people, individual farms, individual homes out in the middle of nowhere. Well, you should hook them up with a, you know, put a 5G tower in their front yard or give them satellite. As we've seen, satellite internet is quite effective. Elon Musk is giving it to Ukraine for free, right? And it works great. What is the government doing? They're they're they've they've already opened up bidding for forty five billion of the sixty five billion, and they're focusing on fiber. What is fiber? It's it's like cable. You have to dig a trench to every individual house to connect it. It's wired internet. Right. You have to connect the house directly via a wire to the to the to the network which is idiotic if you're dealing with you know one-off houses out in the middle of nowhere it is the absolute dumbest way to do this which is why it hasn't happened because everyone in the private sector knows it's dumb and it doesn't make any sense but here we are they've already got access you know, they're, they're calling they're watching movies on their cell phones and we have the government wasting tens of billions of dollars to dig trenches out to their house to give them something they already have wireless. It's just it's amazing. Just, just amazing. It's just amazing the stupidity. Well, and, and what uh, your your comments just evoked this, this thought. Uh, you know what the government's good at is ribbon cuttings and starting something and, and a lot, with a lot of fanfare. They're not very good at finishing it. <laughs> not good no. at execution. And the consequence is you end with end up with programs like this. My my favorite my one of my favorite examples of government broadband. Utah did, did, was doing what they called Utopia in Provo, and they spent hundreds of millions of dollars, and it went absolutely nowhere, and they ended up selling all the infrastructure to Google for a dollar. Uh. And then they had to imp- impose a higher sales tax in Utah to, to, get, to get Provo out of debt for trying to be an Internet provider. Unbelievable, see, not it's just it's just, and and again, I feel like this. You know, we're doing communism in the 21st century when we watch communism kill 100 million, murder 100 million people in the 20th century. I'm like, why are we still making this mistake? I feel the exact same way about government broadband. We've seen for decades it doesn't work. Why are we still doing it? I know. Well, you know, the good news is we have the 8th of November coming up, and it seems like uh, I think there's a uh, no appetite for continuing the way we're going right now in this country. And hopefully, Well, the problem is the Republicans in Washington won't listen to us, but okay. Well, but I'm hopeful that uh, this Make America Great Again group is going to take, take charge and get something done. And, 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 and once again, if, if McCarthy wins, we'll have another speaker who can't speak. It's great. <laughs> well, there may be some changes in leadership. We can only hope, uh, Seton, that, that uh, things uh, modify somewhat. But, but you know. Uh, well, I, you know, uh, hope springs eternal, I guess. That's exactly but, it. Uh, but yeah, no, we, we need we need more Jim Jordans and less Kevin McCarthy's, in my estimation. And I agree with that a hundred percent. And uh, we certainly don't need the uh, federal government or state governments or local governments getting involved in internet. Well, that's dist- what ha- I, mean, I just want to be clear. It's not the federal government doing these things. They give they grant money to local governments, like you said, Provo and 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 all these local you know, counties and 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 cities. They're the ones that do this. So, you know, once again, 
the competence level drops from federal to state and local governments, <laughs> if that's possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. You can all, you, you also have a Substack uh, page, too, don't well, yeah, you? Yeah, in fact, my lessgovernment.org goes to my Substack page. And, uh, and how do we go directly to uh, your Substack page? Hey, um, if you type in lessgovernment.org, it goes to my Substack page. Oh, I got you. Okay. Lessgovernment.org. Yeah, I redirected it. I paid a, I paid a tech guy to redirect it. Sounds if good. Lessgovernment.org, you can go to Substack and, and subscribe for my free email newsletter. It's quite easy. And unlike big tech, we don't sell your data. All right. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, tomorrow, we've got some terrific guests, including Bob Levy. He is the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Bob. Also, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Always appreciate your comments here on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, please tell your friends. That's one of the ways we increase distribution and uh, certainly bring business to our advertisers. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do the show. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.